This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by WordStream, online advertising made easy. Look, it is so easy to waste time and money with online advertising. That's why you need tools like WordStream. Check it out at wordstream.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Nathan Hirsch. She is, um, I'm going to call serial entrepreneur and uh, co-founder of something called Outsource School that can be found at OutsourceSchool.com. So Nathan, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So whenever I call somebody a serial entrepreneur, I think it's usually uh, um, worth saying, describe a little bit of your journey as an entrepreneur, because just in researching for the show, you've done a, a number of things already in your life. Yeah. So, I mean, I got into uh, being an entrepreneur when I was 20. I think b before that, my parents were both teachers and I grew up with the mentality that I'd go to school, get a real job, work for 30 years, retire. And I really, I had all these jobs that were 40, 50 hours a week in high school. I was working every summer, every winter, and I learned how much I just hated working for other people. So <laughs> when I got to college, I started hustling and buying and selling people's textbooks eventually got a, a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to knock it off because I was competing with their bookstore. But I had already started to go down that path. So I had sold some books on Amazon and I had pivoted. I started trying to sell other things besides books. And I threw a ton of trial and error. I eventually came across baby products. And if you can imagine me as a 20-year-old single college guy selling millions of dollars of baby products on Amazon, that was me. And this business started scaling. I, I got in at a good time. I had to start hiring people. I was stressed out of my mind. I was working 10, 12 hours a day. And I turned to college kids at first. They were pretty unreliable. They were drinking on the job, smoking weed on the job, all of that. And and so I, I pivoted to the remote hiring world, the Upworks and the Fivers. And it took me years to develop really good systems and processes for hiring VAs, a lot of which we now teach at Outsource School. But at the same time, I didn't really like those platforms. They just took too long to, to kind of go through applicants and there's no protection. And, and so right. I built my own platform free up and I took everything that I didn't like about those platforms and changed them and kept everything that I did like. So we vetted VAs and freelancers before they got on free up. We matched people up quickly great support, no turnover guarantee. And from there, we took, we took it to market. People liked it. We scaled it from a, a $5,000 investment to eight figures by, by four years. And we were eventually acquired by one of our clients, which is a whole nother story we can talk about if you want. And from <laughs> there, we, we started to teach people how we did it, how we scale with VAs, our exact processes. And that's where Outsource School comes in. So that's a short version from books to baby yeah. products to free up to Outsource School. Well, so <laughs> when I was um, looking at Outsource School, it kind of made me wonder, uh, you've made a fair amount of money in, uh, in some of your other ventures. And it seems like teaching people, you know, I, I guess my real question is, why did you feel the need to do that? I mean, you'd figured it out. You, you know, you'd made money doing it. Um, why did you feel sort of called to now teach people to do it? 
Yeah, it's funny. I mean, once we sold free up, the, the first meeting my business partner Connor and I had is, hey, are, are we sick of each other? Do we still want to work together? And yeah. luckily, he still wanted to work with me and, and vice versa. And from there, it's, it became, what do we want to do? Do we want to take six months off, a year off? Do we want to stay in the same space, get into real estate, do whatever? And people started reaching out to us and asking if we could teach them our exact system, our exact process. And so we started off just making this one course called Cracking the VA Code. And it took about two months, but creating a course isn't that stressful. So it was a, a pretty relaxing two months. So we took it to market. And and from there, people really liked it. And they kept asking for more. So we said, all right, we'll come out with these playbooks. And instead of just selling a million different courses and playbooks, which yeah. didn't sound like that much fun, we turned it into a membership site and created a community of entrepreneurs, which has become a lot of fun. And then the same developer that built the free marketplace that was part of the buyout, he started working on this SOP building software. So we're like, all right, we'll incorporate that and we'll give our members access to it. And and so it all kind of came together little by little over time. And it's been a lot of fun. So the the, the world of VAs has, you know, really evolved. I think, you know, I think that, you know, early on the uh, kind of the promise was, you know, get somebody to cut down on some of your admin tasks, you know, or get, you know, get somebody like to schedule your podcast, you know, guests, you know, that kind of thing. But, but really there's almost nothing you can't delegate today, is there? Nothing. I mean, we had clients at free up that were outsourcing their fantasy football team. I was, I know a, a, a sushi restaurant down the street that hires VAs from free up to do their social media. I mean, I personally outsource everything I possibly can. And it's all about, picking something up, turn it into a system, master it, hire someone, delegate it, pick something else up. And and that's really how we've been able to scale. Yeah. So, so almost looking at what do I need to get off my plate? What do I hate doing? You know, what, what am I no good at doing? Start there and, and start getting stuff off your plate. Right. So the, the, uh, obviously a lot of people do it wrong. So they have a lot of challenges with doing it, but um, what um, you know, if you're thinking about outsourcing all these things, well, now all of a sudden you've got 27 people that you're outsourcing, say, one task to. Doesn't that turn into, uh, you know, a sort of a, its own management problem too? Yeah, and that's a lot of what we teach with outsource school is like there, there's no magic snap your fingers, VA reads what's in your head and, and runs without you. And right. but. But at the same time, there's a way to set it up where it values your time at the highest possible level, where you can do a 20 to 30 minute onboard or interview, 20 to 30 minute onboarding. You can train them while valuing your time and creating good SOPs, which you actually want because it makes your business sellable. I mean, when we were going through due diligence, they asked us for every single SOP we had. They wanted to make sure the information wasn't just in our head and that it was on paper. And then once you are at, get them all trained up and you've invested time and energy into them, you want to reduce turnover. You want to motivate them each week. And it's not that hard. It requires a few meetings each week. And we give you the exact structure that we run for these yeah. meetings. And there's certain things you set up like bonus and raise programs or certain ways you handle issues and, and have conversations with them. And if you have to fire VA, there's a correct way to do that while keeping your business safe. So none of this is rocket science and entrepreneurs can go and spend the next two to three years like, like Connor and I did to figure out all these processes. But I always wish that back in the day, someone just said, hey, here are the questions to ask. Here's how you onboard. Here's how you fire someone. And these are just systems that I could plug into my business. And that's really what we're providing at Outsource School. Online advertising has become an essential part of the puzzle today, but it's tough. 
It's changing every day. It's hard. It's easy to waste time and money trying to figure out how to get it right. That's why you need some tools in your corner. I love a tool called WordStream. You can get consulting as well as a tool to to, to shave tons of time off to have reporting done for you. If you're an agency, then you've got that problem times 10. You need these tools to help you manage. You need the tools that WordStream offers to help you attract even more clients. If you want to benchmark your Google Ads account right now, they've even got a free tool for that. And they've got a great growth academy that's free as well. Check it out at wordstream.com. Online advertising made easy. That sounds nice, doesn't it? So so for a lot of people, you know, the dream of I don't have to have overhead, I don't have to have people sitting in my office, you know, I can get best of class to do this, then this, then this. Um, I, you know, I think there's a lot of promise in that, but are there things that you have to do? I I think a lot of people treat that as, oh, you know, I just hire this person. They do this work. Um, Are there things that you really need to do to find the right people (laughs) to then and then not just manage the right people, too, but manage it in a way that it still feels like a company? Does that make sense? You know, instead of just all these disparate parts, it's like, no, I've got an organization. I just happen to get the work done this way. Yeah, I mean, we have team meetings every Monday. Uh, We call it an all-hands-on-deck meeting, 10 a.m. Everyone's there, whether they're a part-time graphic designer or they're a full-time or part-time VA. And we we go through, hey, what happened last week? What are our goals? What are the projects we're working on? People give updates. We, We motivate them. Um, and, and that's really a great way to, to stay on track. And yeah, then each team yeah. has a, a meeting each week. So our billing team, our customer service team, our social media team to get on the same page. And then we also do one-on-one performance meetings each quarter. My business partner, Connor and I, we, we split up the team. He takes one half, I take the mm-hmm. other half. And we, we use that as an opportunity to show appreciation, to yeah. give them a little bonus, to give them some feedback, to challenge them, to listen to their feedback, listen to their ideas. And again, none of this stuff takes up eight hours of your day. There are small things that you integrate into your business that keeps everyone running. And whenever I talk to someone and they're like, hey, I, I've had issues with VAs or this VA stopped being good. It used to be good. It always, it almost always comes down to two things, the either not onboarding them and setting expectations up front or I ask, when is the last time you had a meeting with them? And they haven't had a right. meeting with them in months. Yeah. So, so in a lot of ways, you are treating them like members of the team, um, you know, building a culture of communication because, it, uh, you know, so maybe a VA has seven other clients um, that they're doing work for, whatever the number is. Um, in, in a lot of ways, your retention, if we want to call it that, is really goes through the roof, doesn't it? If, you, if you're the one that they actually feel some loyalty to. Yeah. I I always tell people, I tell our members, you want to be your VA's favorite client. That is the goal. And it's not that hard. And it also doesn't have to do with money. There's always going to be a client out there that can pay your VAs more money. No matter what you do, that's always going to happen. And if you're only, if people are only sticking around because of money, that's only going to go so far. Now you shouldn't lowball people. You should pay people what they're worth. That's not what I'm talking about, but we have what we call our BARF method, which is kind of a funny acronym. (laughs) Um, but it stands for getting them to buy into your company, showing appreciation, building relationships mm-hmm. with them, and creating mm-hmm. a family environment. And getting someone to buy in is telling them the why of their tasks, why, how that impacts the bigger picture. What is the long-term vision? How are they a part of that? Showing appreciation is not being the client that only talks to them when they mess up, saying, hey, 
great job. Good work on this project. See you on Monday, whatever it is. Uh, building a relationship is getting to know them on a personal level, connecting with them on social media, getting to know their family, telling, learning their interests, sharing about you on a personal level. Um, and then family, people in the Philippines where I hire a lot of VAs from are all about family. They live in large families. Their churches mm. are family. They have outside communities that are family. So you want your team to be their family. You want them to like each other, get to know each other, build those relationships because when that other client comes around that can pay them more money, and again, that's always going to happen, if, they, if you've gotten them to buy in, if you've shown appreciation, if you've built the relationship and you've created a family, they're not going to want to leave and they're at least going to give you an option to try to keep to try to stay around. So that's really what we try to preach. You, you know, it's funny, as I listen to you describe that, those sound like good practices for any company, <laughs> regardless 100%. of whether or not your team's remote. Yeah. So um, delegating. Um, that's one challenge I think a lot of people have because, you know, let's face it, a lot of times teaching somebody how to do something is actually more work than just doing it yourself at the time, right? Obviously, long term, <laughs> you know, it frees it up. But that's that's what I find is kind of the hurdle for a lot of business owners, even creating process. You know, it's like I got to take a step backwards to take two forward. And that seems to be the uh, the hurdle. Do you have you figured out any uh, um, sort of tried and true method to, to make that less painful? Yeah, I, I always cringe when I hear someone say like it's it's faster if I just do it myself. I mean, you're just kind of missing the, the big picture. And and there are things exactly. you can do to to value your time at a very high level. So for example, we'll create SOPs and we'll give it to the VA for training. We'll pay them for that first week, first day, depending on how long the SOP is, to just review it and ask questions. And we're there to support yeah. them, we're there to answer their questions and at the end of that week, we'll test them on it. And if they get 80% of it, great. We'll invest one-on-one -on -one time to get them that last 20%. If they only get 30% of it, we'll pay them for their time because I believe in that and then move on. And yeah. by doing that, instead of doing one-on-one -on -one training from week one where, hey, you get to the end of the week and the VA is doing okay and then you're kind of in a tough spot. Do I give them a second week or do I start yeah. over and I've lost a week? Yeah. Stuff like that are strategies you use to, to value your time a little bit higher and again, there's no method, method to just snap your fingers and the VA knows exactly what you want, but there's certain things you do right. to optimize it and make it and value your time as much as possible. What are some of the best places to find uh, folks? You know, you, there are a lot of companies out there in the Philippines and in India and other places that, you know, that's their whole thing is trying to provide people. But um, have you found that actually finding that, you know, that individual diamond, you know, out there is, uh, is what you really want to do or, or do you rely on, on, you know, the marketplaces and stuff like that? I mean, I'm obviously biased, right? I started the, the free up marketplace. I have a great relationship with the new owners. I mean, I, I love the team there. I mean, I trained the entire internal team there. So I, I mean, I can only tell people what I do. I'm now a client of free up, which is a little bit weird, but I hire all my VAs there. And I mean, you can't beat the vetting. You can't beat the support. You can't beat the, the turnover protection. Right. All that's great. And I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of other places too, but I can only speak for what I actually use. Awesome. So, um, is there a, um, cause I know you talk about, you know, interviewing and onboarding. I mean, is there, um, is there a process that, that helps kind of, cause I think people are terrible at interviewing employees you, usually period, you know, I mean, they're, they're, or, or the, the process is kind of biased to, you know, do I like this person or not rather than to, you know, is this person going to be the right fit for our company? Um, what, what's your take on, on the use of interviewing to, to get fit? 
Yeah, I mean, for we have what we call our care method, which is communication, attitude, red flags, and experience. And communication is one of the most important things. How quickly do they respond? Do they speak your language? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stuff like that. Um, if you took, go into attitude, are they positive? Do they care about something more than money? Do they, are they trying it for self-improvement and learning and growth? Uh, and for experience, you want them to be honest about what they can and cannot do. And, and like you said, there's a lot of bias. A lot of people interview wrong and that's what the red flags is. Most people during interviews, they look for the, the right answer. Um, we teach yeah. people to look for the wrong answer. What are the red flags? What is this person telling you that shows they don't have the attitude or the experience or the communication right. that you're looking for? Yeah. So I, when, when you talk about these meetings and um, it's almost, you know, it's almost like you have the expectations that you would have of somebody who's sitting in a chair, you know, in a desk next to you, you know, that you're going to have weekly meetings, you're going to meet with your team and whatnot. Do you get any, obviously you probably don't work with people. You get pushback on this, but I could see some people kind of saying, Hey, I'm, you know, I, I'm just, I'm going to do my tasks and that's what my job is. And, you know, I don't really need to be like, come into your company picnic, uh, even if it's virtual. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. What was the question there? <laughs> yeah, it was, I just kind of rambled for a while. There wasn't really a question. <laughs> I was saying, do you ever really get, do you find that people, um, can you can overdo that company culture thing that like meeting oh, communication like do you want to be a part of the team or you know whereas they're like look you're one of my seven clients i you know i'll give you my time to do the processes but i don't really need to be you know in the company culture i mean i don't find that we only like culture is a big part of what we do and and we make it very clear yeah. we don't care how good you are if you're if you're not if you're causing drama or you're not a part of the culture or you're not a culture fit you're you're not going to work yeah. in our company very long so i mean again there there's certain things within reason i mean if you're hiring a graphic designer for a small project every month and you're forcing them to attend 10 different meetings right. like pretty excessive. So there, there has to be a certain element of being reasonable here. And you should also expect to pay people for their time. Yeah. If you're requiring them to be in a meeting or requiring them to do whatever, be at a Christmas party and, and they have other place to be like the, that stuff should be paid again within reason. So um, I, I, there's just certain elements that go into it, but culture is huge and there's really no exceptions yeah. to that. Yeah. And I suspect a lot of virtual folks are actually hungry for that. In some ways, because they don't get they don't aren't on a team necessarily. They're just kind of out there freelancing and, uh, um, and and probably are a little bit hungry for some of that. Absolutely. All right. Nathan, it sounds like you could teach some of this stuff. Um, and so <laughs> why don't you tell, tell people where they can find out about the Outsource School and uh, more information on it. Yeah, so I'm pretty easy to contact online. Connect with me, LinkedIn, Facebook, Nathan Hirsch, Instagram, Twitter, Real Nate Hirsch. Um, if you go to outsourceschool.com, we have a bunch of free tools for you. We've got a, a VA calculator that can show you exactly how many VAs you can afford, case study, free productivity course, and we'd love for people to consider becoming a member. Uh, we just keep stacking the value for all our members and make sure that's worth it for you. Awesome. I appreciate that. And we'll have the, the links in the uh, show notes and uh, uh even you know, even if you just get those four things that you hate doing every week off of your plate, uh, you can, you could benefit from uh, uh, from from this type of delegation. So Nathan, it's great uh, stopping by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, and uh, hopefully we'll see you someday out there on the road. See you soon. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. 
I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.